Hi folks, Curtis Shelburne here, and welcome to the Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. A good place just to be and breathe and hang out for a while as we share some words about life in Christ. And that's all of it, I think. Life, that is. The good, the bad, the fun, the sad, the deepest joys, the toughest sorrows, all of it. I really think we're going to have a good time, and I hope you enjoy this. I hope you tell your friends about it, and I hope you come back. This episode, episode number 58, is entitled, Two Kingdoms and Some Perspective. I'm not sure who said what I'm about to quote. I'm not even sure if it's the exact quote. I'll find it later. It really sounds like G.K. Chesterton, and anything that sounds like G.K. Chesterton is good. Again, as soon as we get off here, I'll find it and have this recorded and wish I had looked a little harder earlier. But anyway, someone supposedly has said, dogs and cats should be raised together. It broadens them so. Well, I guess it does if the dog and the cat survive. We have a dog that we think a lot of. He is officially my son's dog. And he's a great dog. He's an Australian Shepherd. Boy, I love that breed. He's the first one that we've ever had. He may not be representative of the breed, but if he is, wow, what a good dog. I really love the dog. One of the things I like about him is he loves our grandkids. Now, something that we read said, watch these dogs. This is not necessarily a bad thing, but they are shepherds. They are sheep herders, and they will herd children. Now, our dog would not hurt a child for any amount of money. I cannot imagine that happening. We're smart. We try to tell the grandkids, and especially the little ones that might be a little annoying to a canine, don't get in his face. You know, it's just not smart to do that with any dog. But this dog loves those kids. He loves playing with them. And yes, he will herd them. They'll run around in the living room or whatever, run around the couch, and he'll be right behind them. But then he's smart enough that if they're running in one direction, he'll suddenly stop and he'll sneak around the other direction and he'll catch them. And then he'll nip at their heels until they jump up on the couch and they're giggling and he's barking a little bit and they're having a big time. He is a great dog. I say that just to say he is a very affectionate dog. He's the kind of dog that, for the most part, you really enjoy having around. But I will say, that dog has no truck with cats. I'm putting that in a Texan sort of fashion. That dog, we call him Rip, has no truck with cats. And that's true. The only thing I've ever seen that he just despises is a cat. I don't know why. He does not care for cats. And it might be that if he was raised with a cat, that would not be a problem. And it's not much of a problem now because he's pretty much cleared the area out, in our backyard at least, of cats. We had a feral cat or two that had chosen to live back there before Rip came to live with us. And those cats honestly were kind of fun. I had one I'd go mouse hunting with. I've got what I call my birdhouse back there. It's actually not a bird cage. Uh, well, it is, but it's bigger than that. More of an aviary, I guess would be the word. I did it in kind of a rustic fashion. It's got a little bit bigger than a four by eight footprint. It's a fairly tall thing. I need a ladder to get up on the roof. And so, you know, it's not a huge building, but as birdhouses go, it's fairly substantial. 
yeah, it's got railroad tie corners. So yeah, fairly substantial. I've got some pharaoh quail and a few doves, and I have had some button quail. I love those little things. Don't have any of them right now. I've got one pheasant named Phineas. They're all back there. Rip doesn't bother them much. But of course, to feed those birds, I throw hen scratch out there in the floor, the dirt floor of the birdhouse. That means, of course, that we have mice pretty regularly. There's just not much you can do not to have mice if you're throwing bird food on the, the floor, bird seed. Well, we had a feral cat or two that lived here in the area for a while. One of them kind of adopted us and our neighbors, and we called her Bella. You really shouldn't name a feral cat because then you know what's happening. You're feeding them and all of that, and you got a cat, feral or not. But Bella was a lot of fun, and she would go and hunt mice with me. I would go out there with a water hose. I would open the door to the birdhouse, a little screen door I built, a fairly good-sized screen door, and I would shoot water down a mouse hole when I saw it or underneath the edge there at the bottom of the floor of the birdhouse. I would shoot water into that, and sure enough, before long, a mouse or ten would run out of a hole, and Bella was there. She was ready. She would catch those things, one or two, and we just did it over and over. She had a good time doing that. She seemed to enjoy it, and I kind of did too. We had fun with that. Rip has been great, and Rip doesn't mind catching a mouse occasionally. He loves to if he can do it. He's not nearly as proficient, of course, but you can't have a cat around Rip. We found that out pretty quickly. There was a cat that was not a feral cat of ours, just a feral cat in general, not the brightest of cats, I think, who was out there one evening soon after Rip came, and Rip dispatched that cat over the fence very, very quickly. Rip does not like cats, and so no cats. We got a dog. Great dog, but he doesn't like cats. Well, whoever said that, whether it was Chesterton or not, are probably telling us the truth. Dogs and cats should be raised together. It broadens them so. I suspect that if Rip had been raised with a cat, he and the cat would get along just fine. But he wasn't. And so that cow, to switch animals here, is pretty much out of the barn. Rip's Rip, and Rip doesn't like cats. Well, I did find a couple of G.K. Chesterton quotes. One of them is about cats and dogs. One just mentions dogs. But a G.K. Chesterton quote is always good. He says, It is the final sign of imbecility in a people that it calls cats dogs and describes the sun as the moon and is very particular about the preciseness of these pseudonyms. That kind of reminds me of what one of my favorite columnists, Lance Morrow, wrote recently when he described our age as the golden age of stupidity. Morrow had several bits of evidence to prove his statement. I think he proved it very well. And he used a couple that I won't even mention here. It's not time to get into that right now. But he might have used, this as an example, what if you had a situation where a dog didn't know it was a dog and thought it was a cat? And we all had to address it as a cat. Or I really think it would be more likely for the cat to do this. But again, my opinion of cats is better than rips, but it's kind of in that direction a little. What if you had a cat that thought it was a dog 
and it barked all the time or tried to imitate a bark, but it just absolutely insisted that you call it a dog. Well, golden age of stupidity. Not really going to accomplish much, probably, if you go with that too far. Chesterton also said, to get back to him, I always like a dog so long as he isn't spelled backward. I like that one. I love dogs. I tend to, most of them. And yet, when an owner decides to spell dog backwards and treat his dog as if that is a dog spelled backwards, you got a problem. Anyway, dogs and cats. I don't know how you feel about it, and this is kind of where I'm going with this. These days, with our deep divides politically, it may be that dogs and cats, even Rip and a cat he might run across in our backyard, get along better than some of those on the far right or the far left politically in our society. My brother Gene told me that actually what might have been a very hard time for him was in this regard a pretty good time when he began ministry in Phoenix, Arizona, and discovered that he had sitting on his pews the leader of the local Democratic Party and the leader of the local Republican Party. And he said the good thing about that was that it made him pretty careful about what he said that might be related to politics. It made him pretty careful not to say things that could be construed as being very political because he wanted both of those folks to know that he loved them, that they were welcome to worship Christ together, and that a lot of differences come down, should, when we give our hearts to Christ and really allow him to be first in our lives. Now, I already hear you saying, yeah, but what about this issue or what about this issue? Well, we all have issues that we're very seriously concerned about. And yet, it's probably good for us to realize that some good people on both sides of the deep divides might have some reasons for the way that they feel. And you might not agree with them, and I might not agree with them, and I'm pretty sure we certainly would not. But you know what? It would be better for us if we could at least talk about our differences. I've really wondered before if some of our political leaders wouldn't really do us all a great favor, and I even think the government ought to pay for it, if they went to a pretty nice retreat somewhere, but away from all of their constituents and pretty much everybody else except themselves, and they were forced to live together for a while and spend a certain amount of time together and just talk about things other than politics. That would be part of the rule, I think, that early on, at least this many days into the retreat, you can't talk about anything political. You play games, I mean real ones, you visit together, you talk about your families, you do that sort of thing, and you learn, even if you're very different, you may learn how very different you are, but you learn at least to be able to talk together. And then maybe we could build a foundation where we could go on and talk about some of the other things that we need to visit about and have to find some way to come up with some kind of equitable, if not solution, at least way to go forward. It really would be good in that sense if dogs and cats would spend more time together and learn to deal together. Anyway, that's just my opinion. Hey, a little bit of an ad here. 
As I've told you before, I have been involved with the Christian Appeal devotional magazine for many, many years. It would be 40 years for me right about now. Well, we put the magazine to bed at the end of June, at least with our June issue. My brother Gene had been the senior editor for 60 years. We worked together during decades of time, and I'm really proud of what we were able to do and what so many people helped us do. There's so many good articles. The magazine is no longer coming out. It's no longer being printed. It's no longer being published. And it's not coming out in digital form, except if you go to the website. And you can find over 60 years worth, again, of issues of the Christian Appeal magazine. Some of them, sure, are a little dated. But there's a lot more stuff there that is as timeless as it can be. And I think you'd really enjoy. There are some great articles there. And if you spend some time there, I do think you could profit from it. And it's absolutely free. So this is not much of an ad, is it? Just something that I hope might be a blessing for you if you'd like to take advantage of it. And now let's focus on faith. In my email a few weeks ago now was a survey from the U.S. congressman from the district where I live. One of the main questions had to do with the first GOP presidential debate that was held on Wednesday the 23rd of August in Milwaukee. I try not to, in these podcast episodes, do too much that is all that terribly chronologically tied to anything, but this one of course has to be. That was the first GOP presidential debate in preparation for the primaries and whatever leading up to the 2024 presidential election. Now, another thing that I try not to do in most of these podcasts is to be very political. I don't want to be very political today. I might get on the edge of it a little bit. I hope you love me anyway, and I hope you'll stick with me because I try not to do that too much. I'm just giving you a warning here. There could be a little of it here. I just thought the whole thing is kind of interesting. And the reason I'm mentioning it now is because the next debate, as I'm recording, is set for this Wednesday night. It will be the number two debate in that GOP debate series heading up to the 2024 election. So if you're listening to this in 2030, this will be a hint for you. This is all past, and I wish I knew what you knew, I think. But here we go. Of course, a basic question, I paraphrase the question, was, did you watch the debate? Or the rival interview offered at the same time, or neither? Now, those were questions from, again, my U.S. congressman from the district where I live. He was interested in that. Did you watch the debate? Did you watch the rival interview offered at the same time or neither? My answer was, I watched the debate. I couldn't not. I'm interested. I've said before that the day I look forward to a repeat of the choice we faced in the 2020 presidential election is the day I'll be eager to choose between a root canal or a hemorrhoidectomy. Now, maybe that's already a little political when I say that, but the fact is, 
And it's really unusual because I'm almost never in the mainstream on some of these kinds of things. I don't always go with the flock on this kind of stuff. But the majority of the people in our nation seem to think exactly the same thing. They're not excited about that same choice as we had in 2020. I'm glad they're not. I am definitely not. I wish we could do something different. That debate was a chance to check out some of the at least theoretical choices. Choosing between it and the rival event was not difficult. Our 45th president had chosen not to be at the debate, and I personally was glad. I wanted the chance to hear somebody else, even though I knew he'd be, as co-moderator Brett Baer said, the elephant not in the room, and his absence would speak rather loudly. That was a nice double play on words, by the way. You know, of course, Brett Baer is not picking on anyone right there. He is making a play on words because Republican elephants and Democrat donkeys, well, those are the animals that somehow have been chosen to represent those parties for many decades. I wonder how that came to be. Ought to look it up. In any case, he's not being mean. He's just saying, yeah, there was an elephant not in the room. There was a big Republican. Well, that's debatable. But he was not in the room. So there was one particular elephant who was not in the room with those other Republican elephants that day. And now I've over-explained that. But you know what I mean. So I wanted to hear from the folks who were there. And I admit, I wanted to watch my own reaction and see if I missed the guy who wasn't there. I soon found that I didn't and that I'd love to try not missing him for a whole lot longer. I went to bed that night thinking that though there were certainly many canned and plastic answers, there always are at such events, you just expect a good bit of that, there were also some questions and answers that helped me learn something about those folks, and I was glad. Several I could happily vote for as they seemed to show the kind of character, integrity, wisdom, experience, knowledge, and maturity we should demand. One of those I'm thinking about, well, she's always been impressive. I don't know if she's won my vote yet, but I think she won the debate that night. I've heard other opinions. That is mine. Personally, I like the guy who tells the truth and serves it straight up whether you like it or not. A backbone is good and all too rare. Oh, especially, it seems, among this bunch these days. One of these folks stood up when our Constitution and our nation desperately needed his courage. I honor that deeply. He and, I think, most of the rest seem to be good human beings. We do still care about that, right? One of the candidates just rubs me a little wrong, as do a couple of his positions. Smiling seems to be kind of painful for him. One rubs me a lot wrong, an incredibly naive rookie, and when he smiles, my retinas burn. Man, those teeth. And so on. Those were my impressions. Yes, at the very least, I found watching that debate quite interesting. I actually ended up thinking that some of these could be good choices. I'm glad I watched it. But there's another reason I watched it. I watched it because I'm the brother of Ruth Ann Shelburne. Ruthie, my 15 years younger sister, passed away a number of years ago, but I'll always remember that if anything seriously political was coming on TV, 
such as a national convention, etc., those kinds of things, woe to the person in the household who tried to change the channel. My sister was extremely intelligent, seriously interested in history, government, and politics, and not terribly patient with younger brothers whose desire to watch Star Trek might interfere with her quest for knowledge. I guess I caught the bug from her, which is why I was sitting on the patio with my iPad on that Wednesday night watching the debate outside. I'll probably be doing the very same thing this coming Wednesday night for the second debate, because in my home, I do not have my sister's clout regarding the TV. A few days after the debate, I read an excellent article by Carl Rove in the Wall Street Journal. He rarely writes any other kind, in my opinion. The bad news is in the title. America is often a nation divided. Rove gives reams of historical evidence. The good news is also in the title. If we think our nation has never before faced and survived times of deep division and disunity, we're wrong, as this article and the history we so easily forget makes clear. You see, some perspective helps. It helps a lot, I think. Social media rarely provides any. This may be strange, but for me, thinking about my sister provides some more. I smile when I think about Ruthie's voracious appetite for televised political conventions and that sort of thing. But I smile a lot more when I think about her life focus and the king in whom she truly trusted. There's a lesson in that. Perspective. Well, again, thank you for joining us on this Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. I'm so glad you chose to join us, and I hope you'll come back and spend some time with us again. If you like it, why don't you tell some friends about it? Sure would appreciate it. Have a great day.